Hey guys, welcome to Minefields. My name's Joshua Michael. Welcome, Minefielders. This is my best friend in the whole world, Mr. Colin, over there in the Tulsa, and I'm in the Colorado Springs. But you wouldn't know it unless we told you, because goddamn, did we got some good mics. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like... Uh, I, I, did, I didn't realize it, but you said that earlier, that uh, because we got into a thing where we wanted to upload sound as quickly as possible um, for one of our other shows, and... Um, yeah, I just didn't realize how crisp it was. I sent, I record two tracks, and I send both of them to you, but you only really need the one because you've already got a recording of yourself, and then they get synced together, right? Yeah. It's fascinating to think how that works, and that uh, uh, your recording is as good of you as my recording is of me. Right. Because you're right there with it. And so you can pick and choose. So if we had a major problem with uh, your recording, then you'd have mine as a backup, and it would just sound like it wouldn't sound that much different. I mean, it wouldn't sound that it wouldn't sound bad. It's just interesting the technicalities of this. I don't know what our uh, listeners know about um, remote sound recording like this. Well, it makes me happy, and we're doing a good job of it. So every now and then, something will glitch and. But even then, uh, we've got some great yeah. comics to talk about this week. Um, last week, uh, got, uh, obviously you guys know that the whole point of this is for us to talk about the comics that came out last Wednesday, so you can listen to this on the way to your local uh, shop and see if there's something you might have missed, or just maybe we can justify your love of something that was awesome or, or hatred of something. And um, <laughs> last week was was kind of kind of sparse, nothing that really, like, Made me like jump out of my seat, but there were some really good ones for sure. Let's see, what are we? Sorry, got? there was what you totally clipped out. Damn, we were just talking about how like good the good the recording was. No, I was just saying. I know. Exactly. I'm just I'm just saying that uh, there were some great comics that came out, but not uh, anything that really made me jump out of my seat. But even then, uh, there were some amazing comics. Great writing this week. That's for certain. That's for certain. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Yeah, I mean. I definitely uh, felt like it was a pretty light week for my typical um, my typical draw like pull list. Uh, you know, I always tend to say make mine Marvel like we always did, but uh, I I had to dig deep and I found some nice gems outside of the Marvel spectrum. Well. I've certainly been getting hooked on DC. The The app is phenomenal. It's some of the best eight bucks I spend every week, every month. Also, I'm really happy now that they have fi fixed the uh, problem they had in regards to this is the TV show universe and this is the movie universe. And now they just said, oh, it's multiverse. Like, okay, that's perfect. Like, I, I question nothing of that. That makes me happy with uh, Ezra Miller showing up in The Flash uh, during the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, storyline that they did on on the on the CW, which was actually pretty good. I, I've, I'm almost done with it, and again, it's DC Appers. Uh, you already know it, but if you don't have that app, uh, get it for sure. And if you guys are following on the Marvel app, they just put House of uh, House of X on uh, the Marvel app number one just today. So if you guys haven't gotten caught up on that, go ahead and get Iskew on that. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's gonna kill you because. It's just the one issue, but it's definitely gonna get you help you get your meat hooks in it. Mm. How was your week, man? Like I feel lethargic right now. I feel like we're bowing our uh, our our listeners out. 
<laughs> what do you? <laughs> my week. How was my week? It's barely. What are we? Is, what is this? This, this is Tuesday. Um, <laughs> all of my week has been spent. I don't know, man. I'm ready to go back to work. Uh, the possibility of a job coming up really soon is is. Uh, I don't want to wait around for it, you know. I need to find something else to do. I was talking to my brother, and he was like, "Dude, try a, try a, try try finding an extra job here and there, just doing day day work or whatever." His wife works for Express Personnel, and so he's he own you know he's got stuff to take care of every day, but he's he's like doing supplemental income stuff right now just because he feels like doing it. I'm wondering if that's something I probably want to do. I've been writing. That's my thing. Like I'll get up and. Take my time, drink my coffee, watch some Star Trek, or watch something. I, I had been watching World War II in color, which is one of my favorite. I mean, I don't know why, but I could watch that show again and again and again and again because there's so much material to cover and so many different um, like emotional beats that take place through this entire story. And it doesn't take it all from just the American perspective, too, so that's pretty helpful. You really get a sense. So I'm going to say, if you're looking for a TV show to sink your teeth into, you want a documentary feel, I would definitely check out World War II in color. It's on Netflix. It's usually on Military History Channel. So I'll get up, I'll watch something, drink my coffee, wake up, I'll get cleaned up, and then I'll get out of the house and go type, because I've been working on my book. And uh, that's kind of what I've been doing this week. I didn't do it this weekend. I did it last week also, and whatever else. Just... Most of my life, I felt like I've been trying to trying to uh, fit into the, the 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 dark hours. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, it's just been it's been an odd time. I'm just ready to do a job. I'm ready to ready to go do one of my commercials or a TV show or something like that. January always bums me out. Drinking my man. tea. What are you doing? January always bums me out. January. Man. Yeah, it's just it's kind yeah. of like this weird like purgatory month before things really get get started. We're actually. Uh, very quickly coming up to our uh, one year anniversary as uh, minefielders, and uh, I think we've got eighty six in the can so far. Eighty six podcasts we've done in an entire year. Well, I'm, I, I got to verify that number because I still just can't believe it. Yep, eighty six. Absolutely. 86. Is that normal or is there? Uh, we got. Do you have people who take more time in between productions or what? I don't know, man. Y2J, Chris Jericho, my hero, does two podcasts a week. Uh, same with, well, Stone Cold used to, but now, like, the Thursday episode is, like, uh, a rebroadcast of something from their archives. And I haven't really listened to him in, like, probably months. It's just it's just pretty boring. But, uh, I, no, I think we're doing pretty good, man. We're coming up on a year. We're coming up on 86. We're probably going to get hit 100 right at the year mark. Oh, that'd be fascinating. Yeah. All right. With, uh, we're doing uh, 87 right now. Uh, with about a month and a week, uh, I think it was like Mar- March 11th that when we started, uh, not counting when we were the long box until we realized that <laughs> <laughs> there was another comic book podcast called the long box, but Hey, screw those guys. Cause we already have more in the can than they ever will. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they could be totally awesome. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. That was just a concept. I don't know. Yeah. I think, I, I think our off the cuff fashion is a little bit more, um, uh, presentable than the idea of us doing major articles or whatever we want to call it. But still, I, we may end up doing that anyways. Um, yeah, man. Uh, 
What did you uh, What did you read this week? You had a huge list. Yeah, I've got Ghostbusters Year One, number one, Guardians of the Galaxy, number one, Fantastic Four, number eighteen, Marauders, number six, Atlantis Attacks, number one, Excalibur, number six, and Web of Venom: The Good Son, number one. I read a few other comics like the new Constantine, Heads in a Basket. Um, what else was there this week that I really liked? Uh, there was. I guess I'm completely wrong. I guess I'm just in one of those funky moods today. The new Shazam, Kill Lock was great. I got caught up in Napoleon Jeez. Dynamite. Uh, getting basketball full of heads. The new Superman, where Superman uh, uh, is, it's the aftermath of him revealing that he's Clark Kent. We're done with Clark Kent. Uh, new Wonder Woman, uh, Hellblazer, the new issue of uh, Ravencroft. Um, yeah, I guess I was just in one of those moods this week. I'm trying to get shake this funk off. This morning, my mom had a spinal tap, so I'm just oh my god. Yeah, I've just been in one of those like, okay, just get shit done and and um, you know you know as long as you're getting it done, you know regardless of what you're feeling, you still got it done. So you know my, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was uh, just show up. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Just 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 show up. Uh, there was a great wrestling show this weekend. Um, a little bit of controversy about how it was started um, because of the the guy that was kind of ousted from Colorado Springs Wrestling all of a sudden revived a, a, an older concept and did a show where they used to do the shows and amazing wrestlers. I mean, if I finally got to see a Abaddon in, in person, sweet sweet girl, um, like the girl's going places. I uh, got to interview uh, Ryzen, uh, that's coming out next week. Uh, just a lot of great respect. It's one of my favorite things about it is uh, the boys in the locker room give me a lot of respect. The matches were great. Uh, honestly, the the way it was managed was dog shit. But that's you know maybe they're just getting off their feet. So I really can't really complain about that if you're starting something and you know behind the scenes is kind of chaotic. But that happens when you're starting something new, you know. Yeah, I keep checking this uh, this local pro wrestling group to my town and i am not seeing any traction there i don't know i mean they've got their facebook page and i just i I only see the same material from july and so i just don't know that anything's going on and i'm i'd love to go to a show here but uh things being what they are i'd probably have to go to okc to do it to see a show because i know there's some kind of wrestling going on down at uh we used to call it uh, Crossroads Mall. It's <laughs> Plaza Mayor now. Um, Crossroads yeah, Mall. Man. Oh man! Those... I, I, at this point, I feel like I'd have better luck going to Guthrie than checking out. Or you can come to Colorado. <laughs> I know everybody's trying to get me to go to Colorado and do something. I know it. I know. I got to go to Colorado. There's, however, a lot of good shows. A lot of good people. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, you're not in the weeds, so neither am I. It's the weirdest thing. People not ask. out in the weeds. <laughs> it's it's just weird to me because, like, oh, you got that Colorado weed, like, dude, I don't, I don't want nothing to do with it, man. Like, like every now and then, it will actually, it's always around me, like at all the shows. But even then, it's... oh, is that what you're talking? I thought you were saying that I was like living in the stick. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, when people talk about here in Colorado, they're like, how was that oh. weed? And like, okay, so. I, uh, I grew up on, and by grew up, I mean when I went to college in, in Oklahoma, like, all they really had was shitty Mexican brex, uh, shitty Mexican brick weed, and all the shit these guys have here is this Colorado super weed, and it is not fun, like, it is, 
Like, I've, I've tried it before, and it's like, one of those things, like, you guys have fun with that. Like, I'd rather just have a couple of shots. Like, I just need to calm my nerves, but you guys are going to, like, uh, third eye territory and uh, have fun there. But at least they're oh. not getting crazy or anything like that. That's the one thing I do like about it is that it, regardless if you're smelling weed around, um, people that are smoking it, they're usually pretty calm and chill as opposed to people that have been drinking too much and causing some shit. Like, last... Uh, Colorado Springs wrestling show, there was a guy that there was, he, man, he was this big black dude. And by big, he was like maybe an inch taller than me, but he probably, like, I'm, I'm 220. This guy had to have been like 150. And he was, his teeth were what? all, yeah, his wow. teeth were all fucked up. He was one of those dudes that was still playing pool in the venue before uh, they had to get everyone out before they started letting people in to actually charge him for the show. And he was stumbling around like, hey, play Prince. I'm like, hey, honestly, yeah, I'll play some Prince because I, I was setting up sound and uh, I, I'm in charge of the sound there. And by the beginning of the show, me and Big Guns are having a chat um, about AEW and he's encyclopedia about things. And right like a foot away from us, like this, that dude just started some shit with his brother and next thing you know, he's getting dragged out. It's <laughs> like, yeah, get his ass out of here. But, um, he was drunk. He was drunker and shit, man. If he was, like, we'd been fine if he had been too high and sleepy. <laughs> At least, <laughs> whatever. But that's neither here nor there. But it's still a fun state. There's always something to do. And you should, you sh- I, I just wish you were here, man. Oh. You and, a, you and, a, you and somebody else in particular. Um, nevertheless. We get, I just, you know, things, some stuff has to get sorted out. I've been asked to move lately. Like, hey, do you want to move to another school district? I'm like, oh my god, seriously? I just moved into this place. I just got settled in. That's the that's the key at this point. Like, am I going to... That's what I was talking about. It's the 28th. Do I get to put a 30-day notice in and then pay a, a month-to-month rent? Like, that's the next big thing I'm going to do? Or I'm, is that going to happen before this next show starts? It's a world of not knowing whether or not you're going to be working or what you're going to be doing next. It's mm. one of the reasons I'm single because people hate that. Women hate that. Not knowing. The reason I'm so. single is because I just don't want anyone, like, I, I just don't want the distraction, man. Like, honestly, it's, I would like to have a significant other. I would like to have someone be a part of, like, the last one left such a bad taste in my mouth. It's almost been, like, two years now that I, I, I really don't want anything to do with a relationship at the moment. And, rather just concentrate on my art and it's the weirdest thing because it scares the living hell out of me because every time you know that you, you've heard the the old wives tale that once you become okay with being alone and you're and you're happy that's when something comes in so I'm, I, I, it worries that's, me it, it that's worries how i me. felt right before i started seeing somebody seriously and it'll have been a year ago yesterday that we stopped seeing one another yeah last and, last year at the royal rumble and uh yeah if it makes you feel but, any better, uh, the Royal Rumble this year was absolutely dog shit. And, uh, yeah, I was watching. Uh, I was definitely watching Star Trek. It's <laughs> like I'm not. I don't feel like doing this. I just yesterday did not feel like a day that I wanted to do anything that I'd been doing last year. I like to. So. I like to call it the anniversary of a horrible event. Uh, yeah, there's got to be a better word. We'll have to come up with it for. When it's when it's some horrible thing, you know, mm-hmm. like September 11th, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's just going to be September 11th or it's 9/11. I really don't like that. I think the, the calling it 9/11 is just, I don't know, for some reason it just feels too like tacky or corporate or commercialized. 
or God, you know, I don't know, the Oklahoma City bombing or something like that. It's just memorializing an event. So I was having a deep conversation with somebody about that. Like, why, if, if, if you were fine or more or less fine for a week, and then you get to this thing that you have to remember because it's there, then why is it something that you can't just ignore? Well, you can't ignore Christmas because everybody's, no. you know, there's decorations and lights and cards and the commercials and the music and all this other stuff. To a certain degree, no matter how hard you try to uproot yourself from something that you're not feeling so great about, uh, it's still impossible to separate yourself from that. And I just, it, it, I, I just am never, I'm never one of those people, one of those guys that people can just be like, <clears throat> "We should just be okay. You should just blah blah blah. You should just, just get over it." It doesn't work like that, you know. I ended up on the phone with somebody who is uh, very friendly and very supportive and uh, a very good a very good friend that um, for most of today it felt like I mean a couple hours at least this morning talking about all of this and at least in the end it wasn't somebody telling me you should just get over it it was it was well this is how you can this is how you can think of it differently so you can progress and stuff like that. That's cool, you know? I don't I don't need people just telling me to, like, get over stuff or just don't be depressed or whatever. Which is not the case. I'm not really a depressive person. It's just it's you, been that way lately. You're not, and, 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 I, and I understand. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I was listening to Why Jay Kachirko, My Heroes podcast the other day, and they, <laughs> they were... Every time. And uh, they were, he had some quote unquote expert about the OJ Simpson trial and the, the whole incident. Ooh, yeah. And the guy just sounded like a kook, but it was still interesting because his, his deduction of, from, I'm getting somewhere with this, by the way, mm-hmm. was that, and the guy hasn't written a book or anything. He's just like, I guess, an internet celebrity that knows a lot about it that was like 18 in high school or 17 uh, when it happened. His deduction was that OJ didn't do it. And that he was the actual problem, uh, the murderers were uh, either cartel or drug dealer people that uh, Nicole Simpson's friend, who was associated with one of the Kardashians or something like that, they owed money to. And OJ, had, had, it was documented he'd paid these people off before and the, the last time refused to pay these people off because uh, his wife... And, You're talking about Goldman? No, no. Um, okay. It, Sorry, go ahead. Paying off drug dealers. Uh, yeah, and um, that they'd piss off some drug dealers, some, car- some cartel guys, uh, and his rationality was it was that uh, Ron Goldman was uh, a black belt, and that his defense wounds uh, were not consistent with someone fighting one person, and I, that that definitely makes sense, and that the the way that Nicole was was murdered was uh, consistent with the Colombian necktie. No kidding. Was, yeah, consistent with a Colombian necktie. And that OJ was just keeping his damn mouth shut uh, to not piss off these guys even more. And he, he went pretty in-depth. It was, it was, it was interesting. Um, obviously, a lot of people might not give a damn about the OJ trial, but it was, it, was a big, oh. it was a big damn deal. And they talked about the TV show and how they got about 90% right. And obviously, they got to dramatize a few things because it's television. <laughs> dramatize. Yeah. But, um, dramatize, yeah. The 
Dude, that show, the uh, People vs. O.J. Simpson, the American Crime Story, is the, the I think yeah. it's the best piece of television I've ever well, seen. And well, I gotta say, if you haven't seen it and you're compelled, this is worth it. It's absolutely worth it. The performances were absolutely, ever, like, home runs. Just unbelievable. Sarah Paulson. Uh, I cannot think of the gentleman who played Chris Darden. He was fantastic. Um... And God, David Schwimmer as Robert Kardashian was heartbreaking. He was so, so good. Anyway, carry on. Well, my point is, is that the guy just seemed kind of like an internet nutter, and I would have killed the heard Y2J Kishoku My Hero interview you about Waco. Waco? Um, I can only do so much about Waco. Oh, Jesus Christ! There's, we, we've there's had definitely some. That we have, we have probably you and I probably mm-hmm. clocked in a good solid twenty four hours of our lives talking about Waco with me just listening. Oh, there's Waco, but I'm the it's the, the OKC bombing to me is the thing. It's just interesting to me how tied to that that Waco is in in and of how a Tim McVeigh the Oklahoma City. One of the Oklahoma City bombers was at Waco selling bumper stickers uh, that were very radical right bumper stickers. And then he was uh, – that was his motivation in essence. That At least depending on the version of the story you most want to, to ascribe to, his motivation for uh, – perpetrating the Oklahoma City bombing stems mainly from Waco as an abuse of uh, government power. But um, and there's a lot more details to it than that. It's, it's, just, and it's just horrible to think that, like, how obvious it is that one thing can stem from another. You think about World War II stemming from World War I. You right. think about uh, one assassination possibly starting two world wars you think about the bombing being a result of waco and that's a result of a lot of different decisions from a lot of different people you think about how ruby ridge gets tied into that you think about the possibility the possibility that even though it is conspiratorial that uh september 11th could have something to do with the oklahoma city bombing only because of the World Trade Center bombing. Right. And it's just like, is this a string of horrendous events that are mutually exclusive? Some yes and some no. But it depends on how deep you want to go looking for information on this. And um, God, dude, yeah, we can definitely no, can I'm gonna, talk a lot about this. I'm going to do everything I can. checked in for today. I'm going to do everything I can to get his attention that you'd want to talk about Waco because he's interested in all that sort of things. But we got to move on to some comics, guys. We're yeah, we're, yeah I think we should. The, the wavelength needs to switch here. Uh, I have <laughs> already told you my list. Colin, what's your list? Oh yeah. Oh dude, no, I've got that. I've got Ghostbusters Year One. Also, uh, I've got uh, the strange. I got Stranger Things Zombie Boy, which came out of nowhere. And uh, I've got um, I've got the new Guardians also. Those are the ones I want to talk about. Mostly, I've been reading other stuff this week. I picked up the new issue of Modern War. If anybody's aware of that book, and uh, it's basically, and I, I'll talk about it briefly, but it's not something I actually want to incorporate because I haven't finished reading much of it. I'm super excited about how 
They've got a brief piece in here about a novel I read some years ago by uh, Colonel Ralph Peters called Red Army. Uh, so I haven't got into that. Um, I haven't got into that article yet. Uh, Modern War is a book that, or it's a magazine that I pick up now and then at uh, Barnes and Noble, and it is published by Strategy and Tactics Press. It is essentially kind of an advertising piece for some of their uh, online order board games. When my when I was a kid, my dad had a lot of uh, Avalon Hill board games in a Footlocker, and it was just something he was doing when he was in college. I think you'd you'd subscribe to this company, and they would send you a new game, and he would try to play it. And he got my mom involved occasionally. She would play these games with him, and then all of these games are still sitting around, and there's not much to them. But it's kind of crazy because if you go to some really good world-class game stores, probably like Game HQ and OKC, they've still got a bunch of these things. And they're worth a ton because they're very hard to come by. And um, things being what they are, this magazine is interesting just because of the point of like, here are points of conflict in our world currently. And like, maybe you want to understand why the Chechnyan conflict was a big deal or why the Soviet or the Soviets, the Russians invaded Georgia or... You want to know what's going on in Albania or can anybody actually take out a Gerald Ford class aircraft carrier now that we've developed it? Or for that matter, why does England's new aircraft carrier matter in the scope of what we have in the rest of the world or blah, blah, blah. There's so many little things going on. So I pick up this magazine now and again and just one of those things that I just read if I'm like someplace having coffee or in, be whoa, in between one thing or another and that's that's just one of the things I picked up this week. Sorry. So it's not a comic book, but, like, I ended up reading a lot of other stuff this week rather than comics. So I'm sorry for anybody that was uh, that, that would be distressed by that. <laughs> well, let's, uh, since we're speaking of guns and gun porn, uh, let's get straight into Guardians. <laughs> oh, my God. Gun porn. <clears throat> Guardians. I haven't read any gun-related magazines in a couple of years. Is, is it one of those gun magazines where, like, all the back ads are, like, the equivalent of the back ads on, like, a, a hustler that leads you even deeper deeper down Dude, a, 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 a gun rabbit hole <laughs> to the underworld? No, this is a very... I'm not going to say this is, like, Mother Earth News or Esquire or something like that. It's a very specific type of thing to read, but it's like... If you're a person who's interested in, in social like social studies, if you're interested in current events, if you're interested in history, I mean, this is history in the making. You, you, you'll hear about some weird thing that happened, uh, I don't know, like ISIS. Where did they get tanks? How did they have tanks? And now how don't they have tanks? Nobody's reporting on that. This, this, to me, is the type of magazine that talks about the sort of stuff that falls through the cracks of the news. You hear one thing about it on, you know, regular nightly news or on NPR, and then you never hear anything about it again. Those are the types of news stories that fascinates me. What, what happened to Chandra Levy? What happened to, uh, God, I don't know. What happened to oh, Casey, what's it, whose daughter got killed? And Casey she, Anthony. Hot, hot mom. Yeah, yeah, Casey Anthony. What 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 happened to the uh, to the uh, the what was the uh, oh, I can't think of his name suddenly John Lee Malvo, who was the uh, running around 
you know, sniper attacking all over Washington, D.C. and Maryland for a summer right after September 11th. These stories that just, they were in the news and then they are gone. And like somehow or another, keeping up with this makes me feel like I'm I clued into, well, is there any reason to worry about North Korea and their missiles? No, they're never going to hit anything. They're nothing. They can't possibly, you know, we're going to shoot them down before they even get past Japan. It, that kind of stuff. Or should we be concerned about whether or not the Russians are going to do something horrible with Kaliningrad? Because that's a landlocked part of their own country that no one wants. It's that, that's, I don't know, that's why I pick up this magazine. It fascinates me on those levels. But it doesn't have that wacky kind of ads because this is actually published by a game company, you know? No, so, I, I feel you, man. Yeah. There's there's a bunch of cool magazines I'll go get at, like, the library, like I Spy, which is a UK magazine about, like, mo uh -huh. modern uh, um, espionage. Um, those weird... Really? I love those magazines, those weird UK magazines that are, like, high-quality paper, like, bizarre. Yeah. Um, and... They put a lot into it. It's still kind of tabloid-esque, but it still kind of has like a oh, man. hint of truth. The rag sheets in England, yeah, off the charts. Oh, they're great. They're they're news of the world. Their dance music magazines are to kill for. Mix Mag, DJ Mag. They were badass, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. I'd get I'd pick those up in '97 when I was over there, and then again in 2000, and like, uh, or what? When was it? it was, I think it was after 2000. You were now. Well, but, you were there to take care of that estate like two years ago, right? Uh, yeah, to a degree, but I didn't pick up any magazines while I was there for whatever reason. We were just racing around the country. Um, yeah, like, I remember all of that stuff. You'd, I'd pick up a stack of stuff and be like, okay, I'd bring them back to my buddies at my place when I was in college and just be like, dude, look at this, what they're doing overseas right now. Look at this nightclub scene. It's out of control. Like, it, and everybody's always talking about Ibiza, and you're like, yeah, 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 but there's a cool nightclub in, in, uh, slow or something like that there's a cool nightclub in uh, you know well that's some what, random burg on the outskirts of brixton go to brixton you know what are you gonna do well that's what mixbank does it'll tell you it'll tell you like it, it's yeah. got club listings on all over the uk uh, about where to go and like how good the dancing is how good the music what djs they are and they always like uh the summer always pains me because i've always wanted to go to visa and uh or a visa which is what i'm told is the correct way to say it um, always great stuff, man. But yeah, let's talk about some Guardians. Let's talk about some Guardians. Yeah, Guardians was cool. Guardians of the Galaxy number one script: Al Ewing, art by Juan with two ends for some reason. Cabal, uh, Federico Belay or Belie colors. VCs Corey Pettit letters. Uh, Juan Cabal and uh, Dean White cover artists. Now yeah, they did a good job. The art was. Top notch in this in this issue. This is this is issue number one. Obviously, it's a new jumping off point after Rocket has been saved, and uh, now we're starting a whole new storyline. Legacy number one sixty three. By the way, uh, yeah, there you go. I felt so bad because one of those. It starts out with that that young Cree boy being like, "Oh, I got it," you know, complaining about his bad dream. The dad's like, "Don't worry, everything's great." Uh, the uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Everything's great here on our... We're not soldiers. Uh, you know, we're colonists. And, like, god damn, these people are so dead. <laughs> they are so dead. And then it happens. And we've got Zeus wearing a hauntingly similar costume to the new uh, Cosmic Herald of Galactic, Galactus Thor. Um, yeah, that's what I thought it was for a minute. I, I did, too. What the hell? I did, I did too. Why is Thor killing people? And, and it, it bothered me because... 
everyone knows that Greek mythology sucks compared to Roman mythology or even Norse mythology. And I was like, why are we dealing with Zeus? And obviously at the end when you see the, the kickoff, they've got, you know, the enslaved body of Hercules powering uh, the new nomadic trans-dimensional Olympus, which I thought was kind of stupid at first, but... Uh, what really kicked me was the fact that Star-Lord uh, lied to Gamora and went on this mission without her, as opposed to stay there and enjoy their at least 10 minutes of peace to enjoy dinner. And you, you need that little bit of bit of, of, uh, of a little bit of a peace. Like, it happens, like, probably every three years in the X-Men where you see them just having, like, at least five, six pages of them, like, enjoying themselves. and Nothing's going yeah. wrong. Um, but... Everybody's clean. Yeah. Everybody's hair is perfect. Uh, you know, everybody's deodorant is fresh. You know that their clothes are new. And then somebody's got to show up and break the scene and tell them there's some crisis we've got to go deal with or whatever. You remember how how much complaining there was about The Walking Dead and it's like, oh, everything's under control and we're, we've got our walls and our sentries and like two, three, six issues. There's constantly nothing happening, but there's this little undercurrent. There's an undercurrent. It's like, you have to avoid that. It's either going to be five, six pages of this, or it's a whole issue, and a whole issue of everything's okay and there's an undercurrent of trouble is just too much. You know what I mean? I agree. Unless you're going to do it once in a great while. I think Walking Dead just did it all too often. However, for that book, it made a lot of sense. If you're going to live in a world without rule of law... And you establish your own new rule of law. You do have to see how things are going to be different and why the decisions you're going to make are all critical when you're in a leadership position. But I don't see that being the case here. Uh, the bald chick is. I, I think the bald. Oh, Moondrake. Uh, yeah. Well, Moondrake. Yeah. Um, I think she's going to turn on everyone because she like you see that great. What a phenomenal splash page. Two pages joined at one. Um, for this particular splash page, of her controlling, like, the senses of everyone, but for some reason she forgets smell. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, they they, they they focus, she's sight, hearing, touch, but for some reason she just conveniently leaves out smell when we've got a master huntress uh, that can just track these things down, and she's the one that obviously foils her gambit, and uh, things go terribly awry. I think that girl's there's something there's something over that there you can't just I, I can't say I'm gonna I, I can control all these senses and just decide not to do smell like what like you would forget that there, there's something weird there to me. Um, that's an interesting point. I don't know. It it just shows a certain degree of fallibility on her part, which I can dig. I mean, Moondragon is a human. There's no reason that she would. Th there's no reason to think that a woman from Vietnam is going to know the entire world history of, uh, or, or, you know, the Roman history, or what is this? This is uh, Greek gods and such. Uh, because they have their own stuff going on. And simultaneously, she's from another reality anyways. We are still dealing with the moon dragon and quasar of another reality. Uh, left over from that last whole big stint with the Infinity Stones pertaining to Endgame, when Endgame came out. It was that cash grab Guardians book. Yeah. So, I, I, I just, uh, that's an interesting point. I didn't read it like that, but I'll take it. 
That's that's. I, I don't think that she's a bad guy. It's just they're only keeping them around because they're like, oh no. Well, for one thing, I'm like, well, where the hell are your compatriots? How many people got sucked into that black hole at the beginning of the last story arc that we have just left there? You know? I watched an episode of Discovery today where they're like, we have to save the galaxy by finding the red angel and blah, 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 and the ship is critical for that reason. we got to get around all these places. But we're still dicking around trying to make sure that we rescue this one crew member. And it's like, well, yeah, she's a cast member. She's a main cast member, so you have to rescue her. But still, it's like... Uh, your priorities are a little out of whack. You lost one crew member, and you still have to use this critical starship to get around and save the universe. The Guardians seem like they would have gone to any length to get into that black hole and rescue everyone. Agreed. But the only ones who got out are Alternate Reality, uh, Philavel and Moondragon, uh, and uh, uh, Beta Ray Bill and Lockjaw. And um, I might be wrong about Lockjaw for that matter. And then, what, like, uh, uh, Silver Surfer, who's Silver Surfer Black now. So, it's all very odd that they haven't just kicked down the door and gone to rescue those guys. And that's why they're having a turkey dinner, you know? Still, that, that stuff bothers me. There's something weird. Uh, did, did you think they were implying anything about the skin? Like, uh, was that just a, a stupid joke because they kept joking about uh, the skin looks weird, even the, the humans are like, the skin looks weirder with this turkey. Um, I don't know. That uh, that could be. Well, there's uh, only one really technical human there, right? And the other thing is, in speaking of Vels, we've gotten we've got Novar. <laughs> oh, totally. Yes. Uh, and thank you, thank you for a character that absolutely has incredible space level powers that should totally, totally be running around doing amazing stuff in space. Yes. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, Marvel Boy, who, for those of you who haven't been listening to us forever, is a character that was developed by Grant Morrison. He is, just like he says, he's from a Cree Allied Cree Empire from another reality. I've got it in front of me. Call me Marvel Boy. And guys, if you're familiar with Grant Morrison, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. Even if we didn't tell you it was Grant Morrison, when you hear this, you may be like, oh, that was. That has to be Morrison. I'm a parallel universe Cree, allied with a utopian faction. Actually, I founded that. I can walk on walls. My fingernails are an explosive compound. My saliva is a psychedelic drug. There it is right there. I have total control of my body and mind. I carry my own laws of physics with me as a weapon, pronouns. Are he him? That name, again, is Marvel Boy. Any questions? And I message you right away. However... That is a resume of his power set that we saw evidenced in the Marvel Boy comics for, that Grant Morrison did in 2000, 2001, right? Which are on the Marvel Universe app, so if you guys yeah. haven't read them, uh, I would highly suggest uh, rereading those uh, right away. They're on there. Just spend the Too eight true. bucks. Yeah. Spend it's the eight not bucks. not like anything you've ever read before, and consequently, if you... It's also one of those books that you could probably find at your local store for like a dollar each. They're just not highly sought after because a five issue print run doesn't doesn't lend itself to being no. high value stuff. It, but it but it has resonance. I would kill to see Marvel Boy 
as a character in, a, in another Guardians movie or even a Captain Marvel movie. I'd love to have him just be a regular member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. We, we need a... He would be their monkey wrench. Because now that, now that uh, Rocket has experienced happiness for the first time in a continuous form... Um, it's, it's one of those things that I, I think they need a new monkey wrench and Marvel boy being part yeah. of it would, would be he's, great. He's been a character that a lot of people haven't been able to figure out how to utilize properly. He was part of the dark Avengers for a while. Um, which I thought was an odd addition. Who was he in the dark Avengers? He was Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, he was. Of course he was. Which is, which is kind of odd because at that point everybody ought to have known that Captain Marvel was dead in the Marvel continuity. But there he was doing that stuff, and uh, he eventually more or less decided that the whole situation there was creepy, and he just kind of fled the scene before uh, things got really down and out. I will say, okay, this is my, my concern. A, I love that Call Me Marvel Boy is presented in his font title font from the 2000 comic. And um, However, I think, it's a, I think it's severely limiting. He gave his power set resume here as if that's what he's got going on, but it limits them to that's as much as he's got going on. Because I feel like he's got a lot more possibly going on. Uh, what he lacked from the... Uh, what, he's, what he lacks here is having any connection with the Supreme Intelligence. Which, by the way, if you go back to the first couple of pages of this issue... The Supreme Intelligence, whether that was there, was a being that was floating above their city, or if that was a hollow projection or whatever, that's what the Supreme Intelligence is supposed to look like. If you watched the Captain Marvel movie, that's not what we got. And I thought it right? was massively disappointing. I always want to see the Supreme Intelligence portrayed as an amorphous, Slimer-esque creature with a bunch of tentacle, Medusa-like tentacles... And like multi-face, multi-eyes, and stuff like that is fascinating to me. Your entire culture could be devoted to the gross total accumulation of in intellect put into a synthoid, not even a body, and blah blah blah. And by the way, if you've got the hero click of it, that is it is a cool ass hero click. It's a it's a Double size, it's like a triple sized click that never moves on the game board, and it's just it's a really neat, beautiful mold. Uh, really good sculpting, a high concept piece. It's really good for if you're playing a Cree uh, battle group, but anyway, blah blah blah. I've gone on and on about that. I think, like, yeah, you're right. What a great addition to the Guardians. Because if you go back and look at the Illuminati, you remember the Illuminati book, of course, of course. Uh, you have Reed Richards and, I don't know, I can't remember everybody, Doctor Strange and several of them going in and being like, okay, hey, we captured you and we can treat you like a prisoner forever or you can change your mental concept about who we are and what you're doing on this planet because we know you're a visitor here, but you can be one of us. And the guy who you could replace, or you can't refill his shoes, but you can try was an amazing person who also came here and was not of our world and fell in love with us and blah. He was it was a Superman story because Captain Marvel was an alien sent here to spy on us and stop us from developing so that the Kree could keep us in check. 
And he ended up being one of Earth's greatest heroes, apart from being one of Earth's mightiest heroes. And uh, it's just a huge, wonderful chrono- like storyline with that character. Uh, thus, also part of why I'm not super fond of the Captain Marvel movie. It just doesn't play into the concept I was really hoping it would be. We're going to talk about nostalgia in a minute, but I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so, yeah, what else do you got to say about this? That, that's all I really got, man, because uh, gotcha, yeah. when you say... It's nos- a good book. The art was awesome. Great. Uh, I, yeah, I still don't know what to think about these OP, overpowered gods, but we'll see what they do. I don't know. There's always got to be some wacky thread. At least it's not Galactus this week. Well, when it comes to nostalgia, we definitely got to talk about Ghostbusters number one. You're one. Oh, totally. Good point. You want to lead? That was great. You want to lead off on the uh, credits on that one, brother? I got him in front yeah, of me. Yeah, let me let me find him here. Yeah, dude, I I really appreciated that book. I pulled it out of nowhere. Just was like, okay, well, I'm not seeing dozens of uh, uh, of things popping out of Marvel and DC that I really wanted to go with. There we go. Now, uh, while you're pulling up the credits, there, uh, one of the things that it definitely made me nostalgic for was the epic run that Now Comics had on Ghostbusters back in the mid '90s. Actually, like early, early '90s. Oh, the the Now Comics they were they were great. Uh, they were also the same brand that did like Married with Children and uh, what else did they do? There's a few other things they did. They they were great. Um, my favorite thing was I finally got insight into Winston Zedmore. Exactly. Yes. Let me pull it here. I've got it here. This book was written by Eric Burnham, art by Dan Shoring. Shoning. Which, yes, I like the art. It's very cartoony. They didn't do the Winston. They they did Winston in the uh, TV cartoon style, minus the mustache. Uh, uh, letters by Neil Yutake and uh, let's see, Louis Antonio Delgado did the colors. Uh, yes, Winston, a guy who we need. Did you watch the Ghostbusters episode of the movies that made us on Netflix? Of course it did. I watched that the other day. Uh, and so I've, I'm kind of uh, It's just a, a nice serendipitous thing that this comic book fell into my lap at that moment. And it was interesting seeing Ernie Hudson talk about his role in Ghostbusters and how some of it kind of got him pushed aside. Uh it's kind of dis, kind of kind of disheartening, but when you realize that the comic gem of having Bill Murray in that movie necessitates less time of Winston, which made sense. Yeah, it kind of sucks, but it makes sense. Th- yeah. They had to tell him, "Listen, it's Hollywood. Like, it's gonna happen." But he was still in the movie, still got his paycheck. Uh, yeah. Especially the one thing that always does bother me about him is uh, particularly the the actor um, uh, Ernie Hudson. Is that he has been typecast pretty hardcore? I mean, he's basically the same character in the Crow, and uh, and and even in the comic here, they they uh, they uh, lampoon a bit on uh, what's his name, Reginald Vell Johnson, Reggie Vell Johnson's uh, role as the the guard. <laughs> they 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 they. Oh God, I know. Who is always type typecast as the cop, and not that that's really a bad thing. I'm glad they're getting their well, pay name, and they deserve that they're great actors, but. Let's let's go another step and say if you haven't seen the Netflix the movies that made us episode about Die Hard, there he has a great big piece in that talking about his career and how he got typecast, but he doesn't go into the concept that the uh, Family Matters was going to be a spinoff on his character. I agree. 
Uh, but then they they get, went ahead and they gave him his name in here, didn't they? Yeah, Officer Tim Carlson. Yeah, but they 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 didn't. <laughs> well, it, well, Family Matters wasn't a direct spinoff of, of of Die Hard, but even then, just the he's still the 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 typecast uh, cop when it comes down to it. But uh, getting to see more about Winston through his eyes, the views the view of the Ghostbusters, getting trained to mm-hmm. uh, use the uh, the proton blaster to actually. Uh, with very little training, actually, um, getting to see him on his first job. Like I, I love that part of uh, part of the part of the book, and they they even boil it down to the love of Ray. Like, of course, he had to have been the one to write the interview questions. Do you believe in? Uh, t- yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the Loch Ness monster, the theory of Atlantis. Uh, it, it was it was great things, great stuff, great things. What, what am I even thinking here? Yeah, every every bit of this, every little moment in this is laced together so it's a cohesive story but every moment is exclusive of itself telling its own little story so just just like what do you get three frames out of lewis tully you know right and and then three frames out of the obnoxious uh guy at the hotel you know and you get three frames of dana and then you get this other bit with these other guys and it's just like no, no, I don't feel like any moment is wasted here. Well, and there was enough humor. It just kept going and going and going. This is cool, and I can't wait for another issue. I really want to see. I'm worried they're. I'm worried. I'm worried they're gonna fuck it up because I. If I was writing this, I would keep it through the perspective of working with the reporter that's doing the book on the Ghostbusters that wants the book to be something you can read from LAX to, uh, uh, or not uh, from, from New York all the way to LAX. But at the same time, though, I don't want each ep- each issue to be like the history of the Ghostbusters told from one different character. I want them to keep the entire thing through the perspective of Winston. If she's a smart reporter, oh, if she's a smart reporter, she would know that sh- he's the he's the payday there, and the, tell it from a human sense. Because if you're going to tell the story about the Ghostbusters, what better way to do it than someone that's just like you, a guy that just came off on the street that just happens to be a Ghostbuster now? So there's your link. To, to the rest of the world uh, for, for, for regular uh, Joe Blow uh, to enjoy the, the storyline that it's not something that you can't actually touch or, or, or see with your own eyes. You get what I'm saying there? Cause I, I get it. I'm just not sure that's the direction they're going to well, go. I, well, I hope each issue is not like, here's Venkman's tale on this. I, I want it all through Winston's perspective on this because it would... I understand. I just really doubt it. I really doubt that's what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I also I, I, sorry man I get excited no not at all no I, I, I you know I think that if we, if if we do what's obvious which is not what you want to happen and then we get to the end of the first story arc and pop into okay now they're just out on their own and it's still year one I mean it's like this is this can't be more than like six months after the Ghostbusters was formed uh, I think it's and about so, a year I think they mentioned it was a year. Oh, is it okay? I missed that. So, yeah. I, I, yeah. If that's if that's the way they go with it, then I I would say you know, I'll I'll just I'll I'll be I'll be buying into this book for as long as this is the creative team for sure. And then it's a it's a question of whether or not the next creative team has the has the chops to manhandle that story. Well, it also made me realize that one of the reasons why I, I was a kid when Ghostbusters two came out. Obviously, I wasn't an adult. Uh, I'm 37, but. Uh, a lot of people shit on uh, Ghostbusters 2 
I think the problem with what's going on with Ghostbusters, if you can even acknowledge there's a problem going on with Ghostbusters, because uh, they, they, they do strike gold with crossing over with uh, Batman and the Ninja Turtles and the Power Rangers. Those have all been really good. But the problem I'm seeing, and especially in parallel with the problem I think people had with that they don't realize with Ghostbusters 2, is we need a great new villain. Uh, Vigo was not nearly as cool as Gozer, but at the same time, they keep always going back to Gozer, and yeah, it, I'm 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 tired of Gozer. I, I, give me a good new baddie, like Galactus, you know. Yeah, give yeah. yeah. I mean, what did, when you go back to the cartoon, Sam Hain was a villain that they went after again and again. The pumpkin head guy, powerful yeah. super demon of some sort that controlled all of these other ghosts. Yeah, it totally makes sense that they would have. A, a concurrent or a consistent villain in that in that reality or in that storyline, and then that's yeah, you've got to have gr- different tiers of villains that you can call upon. If you're going to make a formula show, it's the Highlander. You're going to kill an immortal every episode. You're gonna you're gonna do what like Batman. He's got a rogues gallery. Oh, it's Clayface again. Okay, cool. I'm yeah. I'm happy with I mean, Clayface, but uh, yeah, the Flash. What are you gonna? Oh, we Captain Cold and do Pike or whatever, you know. Oh, by the but yeah, no, I dig what you're saying. It's a good point. Uh, just give us a good new baddie, and that's what I'm worried about. The next Ghostbusters movie, it's going to be all focused on Gozer again because they are uh, at the uh, Sandor. Um, am I saying that right? God. Uh, no, I know what you're trying to say. It's an unusual name. I cannot. Evo Evo Shandor. Evo Shandor. His his mine in Oklahoma. And okay, so Shandor has everything to do with Gozer. Okay, that's don't don't give us Gozer again, please. Don't give me another Marshmallow Man. Um, have some. I have some. I just. I don't want to see unless okay. I let's 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 ex, let's express a few things about the Ghostbusters here. Dan Aykroyd's original concept for the Ghostbusters is something that we have yet to see, and I think we can do it now. Aliens? We know these are hit movies. We know that they make a ton of money, and the special effects possibilities are all there now. If you can do Star Trek as awesome-looking as Discovery every week, you can make a Ghostbusters movie, uh, or even a Ghostbusters Incorporated. So that's what I want to see. His concept was this idea that ghost busting was like the plumber. I got a problem with a ghost. I call the plumber. That ghosts have been around forever, and there are ghostbusters in at least every major city, and they're a company, and they're they're just everywhere. And it was like, okay, so these guys happen to be the ghostbusters that started it, or they happen to be ghostbusters who came in and they, they just work together i where's that story ghostbusters international or ghostbusters incorporated that was a concept that i think we desperately need i would have taken the Kristen wig ghostbusters movie if they would have said it's an offshoot of it's an offshoot yeah just like we talked about with james bond in the last thing i would love to see that james bond was a code name for whoever happens to be 007 because that would explain why we had five, six different Bonds. Okay, fine. All right, so, and then, hey, I don't give a rip. Let's make it a Lady Bond. It's still 007. Just change her code name. It's still Bond. I don't care. Like, they could have done that with the Ghostbusters, and I think a lot of people would have been like, okay, yeah, this is just another Ghostbusters concept, and there wouldn't be any much internet outrage. And then whatever they're doing with this new one, 
It's just, we're talking about nostalgia. I just want to say, nostalgia is a powerful force for us as consumers. And when we're thinking about toy lines and movies and cartoons and relaunches and rehashes and Clone Wars and Finn and Ray and Poe and all this stuff where we're like, this isn't what we want it to be. It's never going to be what we want it to be. No one's ever going to do it right. No one's ever going to capture that. Yeah, Chris Nolan's Batman, blah, blah, blah. My Batman is Michael Keaton. That's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, those are great movies, but whatever. So it's like Ghostbusters is a very powerful 80s cultural touchstone. I got to say, Toy Galaxy YouTube channel, Dan Larson and his co-creators did a killer, killer uh, performance this week about nostalgia and I think that you should all if you're thinking about why or what you want to think out of this next Ghostbusters or who the hell knows another He-Man movie Thundercats what the hell ever check out I, I'm going to say get on YouTube look up Toy Galaxy Nostalgia and watch that 10 to 11 minute thing and then there is one powerful powerful moment in that about 6 minutes in about change and how change is good and why it doesn't have to be the way you want it to be and we gotta love things for what they are so I will say I would love to see the Ghostbusters International or Incorporated concept and uh, if you want it to be your way then get online and find the West End Games Ghostbusters International RPG that was produced uh, in like 1989 based around Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, and make it your own damn game. And you'll probably have more fun than showing up to watch a movie that somebody else did. And if you really want to do it, get into the movie industry and start finding a way to get into working on Ghostbusters movies. Because it can be done. And I'm living proof. Agreed. Keep it in line with nostalgia. Let's move on to... <laughs> let's let, let's 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 stay in the eighties and let's talk about Stranger Things because I'm really oh, you want to you want to you want to clock me out all right yeah so Stranger Things uh yeah guys I didn't like it um it's uh let's see here this is the Dark Horse Press book uh, I just kind of randomly picked it up thinking I haven't ever read a Stranger Things comic and there is some ongoing stuff so how could this be. Uh, it's Greg Pack script. It's art by Valeria Favocia, colors by Dan Jackson, lettering by uh, Nate Picos of Blambot, all rights reserved. Um, the cover art is different than the interior art. That's by Ron Chan. Um, this is interesting by way of how it is put together. It's taken from the perspective of Will, who is the not the protagonist of the first season of Stranger Things. Um, he's the boy that gets pulled into the Upside Down. And uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, he comes back. He gets back, but he's haunted and possessed, right? Well, this takes place in between seasons one and two. So we still don't have 11 to work with. Uh, it's the boys. They're in school. And he's kind of telling the tale in his doodle art and writing on notebook paper. So some of these pages have this awesome like notebook paper up uh, and his 
kind of childish take on it um, in in sketch work, and it's well done. But uh, and there's there's no way you're going to get confused because when you're in the real world of it, it's in color and it is a different art style. So, uh, but it really works. There are definitely bullies in the school, and they're picking on him because they're calling him Zombie Boy for uh, because he disappeared and he came back. And it's kind of crazy to think that anybody would treat a person who had been, uh, you know, what, what story are you telling? This kid had been abducted for a while, or what? And then he's back at school, you're going to treat that kid any, like, you're going to treat him crappily? I don't know. Anyway, we start to realize from some of the different characters that they have people who are picking on them for any number of reasons. Is it because they're nerds? Well, Lucas is getting picked on because he's black by other students, and that's kind of, that's obvious BS and whatever. Uh, but uh, they're in their AV club and everything, and you've got the cute, fun, nerdy teacher that uh, they always go to for science-related stuff. And this new kid shows up who is... Oh, dang, where is he? I lost his name. Joey Kim, and I'm so almost certainly Korean. Uh, and he wants to do a movie with the boys. Because apparently they've worked on it, something, like they're in the AV club. So uh, they're, they're going to do a zombie movie. This book goes on and on and on. At a certain point I was like, how many pages is this? And it's not like listed at the bottom of the page, so you never really know. But they get into this thing where they're like, yeah, we're going to do a zombie movie. And honestly, as a parent, it's interesting because you've got Joyce, uh, who's Will's mom. If I were Joyce, I'd be horrified to think that they were going to do anything with that kind of storyline, zombies and whatnot, because you go put yourself into that time period. Zombie movies were not something to be taken seriously, but like scary movies in the 80s felt like a bigger deal than scary movies in the 90s. Because by that point, it was suddenly like, oh, yeah, we're looking back at scary movies with this nostalgia qual quality of like, what the heck is this? So they get in and they make this goofy zombie movie and they're editing it in the camera because they don't have editing and they don't have uh, money or time or equipment to do that. So they're filming the movie in sequence. So it's kind of like that. if you go back and look at the movie Super 8, that's kind of what they've got to do. We've got to film this thing in order or it does, just doesn't work. And you can screw up. You can make screw-ups, but you cut that part out and then you just splice it together. But... Um, Anyway, in the end, it was just kind of one of these stories where it's like, okay, well, if you watch season three of Stranger Things, you've got new characters involved that have what I'm going to say the non-PC element for the 80s, and these characters are contemporary, and they're just like, hey, I don't got a problem with that because that's the PC culture we live in. So this thing also has the same deal. Now, our protagonists, they don't have a problem with Lucas for any reason. Like, you remember how they were in the thing with the Ghostbusters, and they're like, oh, we thought Lucas, you'd be Winston, because, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know. And it's like, okay, well, I, I liked this one part where they were all expressing themselves, trying to find their deep mo emotions so they'd be able to emote on camera, and Lucas is going with his, like, pissed-off, rage because he's sick of being picked on for his skin color 
honestly, that was the most important part of this thing to me, even though it was a story coming from Will's perspective. But this is more or less a one-shot. If you really love Stranger Things, this is an in... Possibly an incontinuity story that you could totally go with. And it's a cute thing, and... It also, it just plays on the idea that these kids are the outcasts at their school and they love one another and they're best friends. And it's kind of hard to think that after Stranger Things Season 2 and Stranger Things Season 3 that they're all going to split up and have to go their separate directions because they're growing up and stuff like that. And it's, but it's also jarring because after watching those two seasons, you don't have... You don't have Steve, and you don't have uh, Robin, and you don't have Elle, and you don't have Max, and all of these other characters thrown into this. And then you've got this new character, Joey, who is really... I love him because he's this unifying feature that's not in the, in the show at all. And uh, I, it's kind of like, man, I wish that kid were around in, in any of these seasons. But, um, yeah, just totally not... I don't know, dude. You're not a huge fan of Stranger Things, are you? No, I I, I really love the show. I just oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you might be thinking of something else. No, I I loved Stranger Things. I just uh, the the fact that I was completely turned off by the fact that there's a Stranger Things comic based on zombies, and I was just oh yeah, like okay, another dumbass zombie bullshit. I I can't. I'm done with it. Like I I, I totally understand. Like, I'm so over zombies. I can't believe I got to that point. But I don't want any more zombie content. No. And it's like... Done. I'm not... I I definitely don't want to be... I think about this sometimes. I don't want to be culturally appropriating in saying this. But I remember watching something like CNN's The 80s or VH1's The 80s or... I don't know. One of these, you know... It's a nostalgia show. And they're talking, you've got like, uh, I can't even think of the guy's name. I'm sorry. I don't want to offend anybody. But the guy's from Run DMC. And they're talking about their part in pushing rap music. And getting together with Aerosmith and what a big deal that was. And then you get into this point where you've got Blondie rapping. And it's a terrible fucking song. And it's a terrible rap. And I hate it. I hate that song. And they're like, yeah, when you've got rap showing up goofily in every commercial and you've got some dumb rap sequence in every movie because you've got to show that these kids are cool or something like that. Or when you've got the kids from Saved by the Bell, I don't know if that ever happened, but I'm just saying how lame no, it, it can possibly sense. get. Zombies. I, I just met this wonderful actress from Oklahoma on this last movie I did and she was in this stupid commercial where there was a zombie and I'm like... Uh, no diss to her, but I re- I'm always going to remember that because at a certain point I was like, oh, zombies have jumped the fucking shark. Like, that is over. Like, if you've got zombies helping you sell cell phone coverage, just forget it. It's over. <laughs> and, like, it's just so trashy. But what I'm getting at with this is the nifty, the nifty quotient here is the idea that this book does capture... The idea that zombies were fresh and terrifying and parents didn't get it and kids didn't even necessarily get it. Like, it's odd to me to think that any of those kids would have been able to watch Night of the Living Dead. But uh, they did make a point. This is fascinating. They did make a point of, 
when uh, like Lucas getting picked on by the bullies and they're like, oh, you're going to be the guy that dies because you're black. And it was the bullies bringing that up. And it was not the, 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 the you know, Joey, the Korean kid who's the director and the, the, uh, the film shooter, the, 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 the DP is like, no, we ain't doing that. We're going to do that differently. You're going to you might everybody might die, but you're you know, maybe you're the guy that survives or whatever. You know, we're not we're, we're defying convention. And I was like, it's a little bit progressive, but it was badass because in the S in the end, it was just like there was a lot of it was a little it was careworn. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah, it just it, it put yourself in the time period of the 80s and this can be an enjoyable thing. However, I got to get a little bit weird because Stranger Things season three really had a hard time taking itself seriously. What do you got, man? Oh, let's see. We gotta do the X Men. <laughs> the X Men minute. You want me to time you? Nah. Mar- Marauders number six. <laughs> let's see. <laughs> Gary Duggan, writer. Matteo uh, Loli and Mario. I can't remember. Mario de del Pen- Penino. Oh my God. Eric Arciniega and Federico Bli. As the color artist, um, VCs Corey Pettit, and oh, uh-huh. I, did, I forgot to mention Matteo Loli and Mario Del Penino are the artists, and that's for Marauders number six. And let me pick up issue for Excalibur number six. What are we looking at here? We are looking at writer Teeny Howard, artist Marcus Toe, or two. Uh, Eric Arcinega, color artist, VCs Corey Pettit, letterer, Tom Miller, design. Okay, so, <clears throat> last episode of Excalibur, uh, Rogue absorbed Apocalypse and killed him. Starts right. starts out with him being resurrected and getting actually pushed to the frontal line of resurrection. Charles not being too happy about it. Uh, they, Captain Britain and uh, Rogue uh, with the Apocalypse powers with Gambit. Uh, and a few other people uh, help uh, defeat Morgan Le Fay and Captain Britain. Captain Britain ends up with the, instead of taking the amulet of, of will and knowledge, decides to pick the, for the first time, he, he picked the, the sword of, uh, of strength. And he, huh. he finds himself, bes- you know, beside himself that he can't really be Captain Britain because instead of choosing, choosing uh, uh, knowledge, something higher, he picked a sword, and, and Polaris is, you know, calming him down. And Rogue and Gambit, uh, apparently the apocalypse is out of her by the end of the issue. Uh, they are in a hot tub, and they're discussing having children. And Marauders, uh, we've got Shinobi Shaw betraying everybody and uh, figuring out a way to kill Kitty Pride. He drowns her. He takes a part of... Really? Yeah, he takes a part of Krakoa that can... Uh, like a vine, and, it, and he anchors her, and he drags her into the sea in order for his son Shinobi Shaw to take over as the uh, red the the red king or or yeah red king. Oh wow! And that was something that really stuck out because he really just postulated about how yeah everyone's been deathly the reason why everyone's been deathly scared to leave you alone is because they know that you're the one that they can't bring back because we can't bring you on Krakoa. For some reason, she's still a mutant, but Krakoa will not let her go through any of the gates, so she's not, she can't get there in order to be resurrected, and being accepted by Krakoa is one of the main formalities to be resurrected in the first place. So, he has been staging people in the right places in order to 
get Shinobi on, on the uh, the silent uh, tribunal. It was all right. Uh, both of the issues were great. Mm. The artwork was great. Uh, it's still nice to see Rogue being able to be touched by Gambit and great, good dialogue. Yeah. I mean, it was they're really quick reads. Like I'm, I'm I need something to happen mm. in X Men right now because nothing is really happening. It's like there's it's a lot of uh, diplomacy and politicking and I'm. Um, Give us something big. Give us a new baddie. Something to happen. There's eight million things happening right now in all the different uh, X books, but give us something to tie it all together because you you teased us with it with how well you inter inter uh, interact uh, powers of X and House of X. Now we've been reading all these books. Give us a reason for all these books to come together in, in one in one form or fashion if that's what you really want to do but I, I kind of feel like it was a bit of a tease to, to not at least do the first year after such a, a impactful storyline between House and Powers of X to split everything up so fractally and and for what's happening to not have too much of an impact on me even like the early 90s books where it was just a random one-off book where uh, Gene and Scott are in the future for some reason, or in the danger room. Yeah. Uh, that still had more impact than what's going on. Or uh, I might just be overcritical, but that's what I got for X. <laughs> that, that's what I got for X. Um, Fantastic Four was really good. Uh, number 18. We are talking uh, Dan Slott, writer, Paco Medina, Francesco Mana, and Carlos Magno's artists. Uh, Eric Arcinega, color artist, VCs Travis Lanham, letterer. Uh, so what's going on in, in FF right now is that they decided to rebuild the original ship, their cigar-shaped ship. Oh, that's right. Uh, uh -huh. To go to their original destination. And when they get there, um, the planet had already foreseen them and was preparing for them in regards that it had been prophesied that the four were going to come and destroy them. Well, it's been revealed that the great all-knower seer of this, of this planet and the, their main champions have been brainwashed by this all-knower that these people are the apocalypse coming and it's revealed that through his visions of seeing the four coming he was the one that sent the uh extra bit of cosmic rays in the first place that made them the fantastic four and there's no kidding yeah there's a good knockdown drag out between uh like in order to prepare for them coming they had been bombarding their champion their heroes uh their, their higher ups in society with cosmic rays to try to make uh people that have powers in order to defeat these these prophesized four all the people that all the people that mutated into abominations were cast out despite how high up they were in society beforehand into the the lower escalon and like like the way you would imagine like um th think about a society and, and their city the way the fifth element was the higher you go up the, the yeah. more prestigious it is the lower you are down um you know you're in the sewers and all those people that were mutated into abominations were cast away and there was uh, the thing was immediately cast down with them and he he helps them do an uprising and uh everything is just revealed and the four have it ends with the four being turned on because uh, their their all knower was seemingly crushed and killed and a lot of their city was destroyed despite the fact that they all like the 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 crescendo of this issue was these people that were cast down teaming with the pretty champions to save uh, the 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 city from destruction from the all knowers 
temple being destroyed. And they are working together just perfectly, and it's a great team-up scene. And then when they see their all-knower, like, supposedly killed, they're like, no, everything he said was going to happen came true. You are the Harbingers of Doom. And, well, not Doom specifically, like Doctor Doom. But, because mm-hmm. you got to be clear on that. And it ends with, to be concluded, with the, the four about to be turned on. Uh, one of the weird things about this is that the the way they, they pick their mates is their all-knower uh, has them look into this um, celestial-type kaleidoscope <laughs> and they, they see who their soulmate is. And this one of the main champions sees that Johnny Storm is her soulmate. And they actually are getting along pretty well. Um, the other thing is, is Dan Slott, as a writer, has taken the idea, the, the atypical idea of a Fantastic Four book, and okay, there's, you meet these people, you fight, you team together, happy ending. Yeah. The, the fact that they're being turned on again, despite the fact that they just helped rescue the city, is that extra niche. Like, okay, what, what usually happens in Fantastic Four comics, or, or early 70s, 80s Marvel comics? Yeah, you wrap it up in a nice, pretty pink bow, and then you move on to the next baddie. Uh, it's it's a, a, a it's an extra layer there. Okay, now we've we've got an even bigger problem now because the people that just you know loved us now hate us even more, and I, I really enjoy it. The, the artwork is great. Uh, Dan Slott never fails. I, I I can I can't think of one Dan Slott comic that has ever happened that I didn't enjoy. He's probably now that I think about it one of my favorite writers. Nice, yeah. yeah so far, I mean, what he did all that Spidey. That we liked. Agree. And then it just went on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. But uh, nevertheless, you know. Uh, what else did he do? My brain. I'm drawing a blank. And I just love the fact that I can tell you're in Tulsa just from the sirens. <laughs> yeah, I'm suddenly hearing them through my headphones as well. But I guess it's coming in through my mic It's it, additionally. <clears throat> yeah, but there's not too it's much. Not that bad. There's not too much. Uh, Atlantis Attacks, <clears throat> number one. That it was man, it was such a quick read. Um, Amadeus Cho is championing the Agents of Atlas, and they've got this Asian utopia of of a city that is made by portals that is being powered by a stolen dragon from Atlantis that Namor just is trying to get back. It was so, it was <laughs> it was such a quick read, and they are it's intervened with the other agents of Atlas and it's, it's one of those things that's a little convoluted if you're following a lot of the different storylines within the, uh, the Marvel universe. So Jimmy Wu, who is, uh, working with that, that we talked about it with that, that, um, that daredevil storyline about who killed this guy. Yeah. yeah. Now he's here with the other agents of Atlas with, uh, Amadeus chose um, Agents of Atlas to help try to... They've got a day to free this dragon and return it to Atlantis. Uh, I wasn't too pleased with it, man. Like, if, if you're going to do anything with Namor, really try to do it well because they usually do it wrong. And I know. It's really frustrating when somebody comes in and doesn't hit with him. Yeah. Uh, when he's arrogant... It works when he's got one character on the team or in the situation that he can get along with. It works. I mean, what are the best Namor pieces that we've had? You, you go back to the stuff that introduced him into the 60s as opposed to his Golden Age books. And those are some pretty great things. Uh, I particularly like his quest for the 
uh, for the trident of uh, Poseidon. But um, you get into the Illuminati with him more or less palling around with uh, the with uh, Black Bolt, King of the Inhumans. That's pretty good stuff because you find somebody that he can identify with as a king. And he can't, he can identify with uh, Black Panther in New Avengers Illuminati, but they're at odds because they were at war, at least until, and I think that's what the next Black Panther movie is going to be. So there, this isn't even a nostalgia quality, we've never seen Namor in a movie, so it'll be really interesting to see what we end up getting out of the new Black Panther uh, with them being at odds with one another. And then introducing the 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 concept of Atlantis to the MCU, that could be totally daffy at this point. We have no idea. Where were they when all this other stuff was going on? But last but not least was the Web of Venom, uh, the Good Son. Oh, 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 almost forgot. Almost forgot, guys. Writers, artists, if you're listening, I did not mean to space out on you. We've got uh, for Atlantis Attacks, no. <laughs> for Atlantis Attacks, writer Greg Pack, artists Ario and Nindito, color artists Rochelle Rosenberg, letterer VCs Joe Sabino, cover artist Rock Dash He Kim. Okay, that's a cool name. But uh, we've got the Good Son, um, writer Zach Thompson, uh, Dio Nevis penciler uh, Oren Junior inker, Rain Barredo, color artist VCs Clayton Collins, letterer. This book is centered on the son of Eddie Brock, uh, Dylan, and him being uh, pretty much imprisoned in Harry Osborne's apartment with his son, um, little Normie, who, if you remember, oh, yeah. was uh, captured by Norman Osborne and made a, uh, a goblin slash uh, carnage symbiote or just carnage symbiote type little... It, it, it was weird because th- these boys are... Are, are close because of the battles they've been in, and uh, little Normie finds out that the Carnage isn't really dead. Uh, Dylan has a small sliver of it in a drawer, and his his powers have manifested, and he's able to control it. And they go out and they break out of the house, and because they they're there for protection, and they break out of the home, and they you know Dylan uses that little sliver to take over a raccoon, and they pretty much rob a little bodega and <laughs> cause some trouble. And they're discovered. The, the, the fact that Dylan is having dreams that Noel is on its way and that Noel is in some way empowering him and brainwashing him despite the fact that you have to realize that Dylan has the power to control symbiotes. And so this is one of those issues. Oh, okay. This is one of those issues is that is going to matter and probably, uh, depending on how quickly do the whole Noel thing, because Noel's on his way, if they do it in a year or maybe even in three, four years, um, we, we don't know. I, I honestly don't know if Noel is actually so close that this big storyline is going to happen within a year or be that might even be the big summer thing. Probably. But, that's what I got, man. And, and guys, again, I'm sorry I didn't have anything I was that excited for. The writing was always good. Uh, the art was great from pretty much everything I read. But that's all I got for this week, man. Yeah, I mean, it was just an interesting week. I feel kind of, uh, like like I said at the beginning, I feel a little bit, this is my opinion, of a little bit weird that uh, my 
you know, like dark, a Dark Horse book was more important to me than a Marvel book. But it's just, hey, it's just a release order. Which isn't to say that Dark Horse doesn't always have cool stuff. Like all of these companies have cool stuff coming out all the time. We're just not reviewing every damn little thing. And you read, you read a ton more than I got to, and you read a lot more than we have time to go over. But uh, there you have it. Um, yeah, man. Uh, what Wednesday's tomorrow? New books. Get out and have a look at that. We got our Picard post up and running. So if you guys watched that show, or if you haven't, if you haven't, you should watch it, and then you should watch our commentary track. I want to give a shout out to these nice guys that I was talking to yesterday. Uh, I stopped in. I was picking up some uh, card boxes for my son's Pokemon at one of the vintage stock stores, and there were some clerks there who were talking about Star Trek, and we got into a nice conversation. Um, and I said, check out the webcast or the, the check out the podcast. So hopefully they have. Um, and uh, yeah, what else, man? Anything else at all? Where did you go? You are so quiet. No, I'm, no, I said that's great, man. It's it's just it's just time for dinner. Uh, I made some enchiladas. It is earlier. time for dinner. That's true. Yeah. I'm making mushy peas tonight, which I have had in a head soaking for 16 hours, and uh, so I'm going to do steak and potatoes and mushy peas. Mushy peas are in English. It's a marrow fat pea. I've never made it before. I don't know if I've ever had it, but my buddy Peter, English Pete, he uh, always talks about it, so I ordered some. And uh, I'm going to give it a shot. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I'll let you all know. Stay tuned for my my mushy peas. All right. Uh, this transmission is uh, closing out, man. This is dangerous. I love you. Later. I love you too, dude. I'll talk to you in a bit.